And Jesus, we ex- acknowledge that you are coming back. Oh, God, thank you for the promise, Jesus, that you're going to come back. And you say in John 14, you will take us to be with you forever. Oh, we long for the day. We love you, God, and we long for the day when we will physically be with you. Praise your holy name for your promises, your truth, and your spirit. And now we give in this offering with joy in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. All righty. As the ushers are receiving our offering, let me just remind you again, there's a number of ways to give electronically beyond just this offering now. And let me just uh, give you a quick update on our finances. We don't do this often, but I need to do it today. We uh, are very, very low in our general fund right now. So please remain faithful in your giving. You might consider a year-end gift that would help us. Literally this week, our general fund was down to $5,000. And uh, that's not good because <laughs> our monthly mortgage is $9,800. Our payroll is $12,000 every two weeks. So you can see that uh, things are really, really tight right now. So please be faithful and uh, consistent in your giving. Thank you. Jeff Wren, uh, many of you have already received the notice and the email. Come on up. Uh, if you haven't received the notice about a change in Jeff's life, then that means you're not reading our emails. Uh, so that means you need to start getting the emails and read them because it's actually gone out twice. Uh, so that's just a little reminder to you to make sure you stay on our communication list. But Jeff wants to share a few things verbally uh, to just reinforce what he has already shared in the email about what God's doing in he and Lee's life and kind of transitioning them to a new, new chapter. <laughs> well, he just said it. <laughs> no, um, this is uh, interesting and tough and uh, just seems like uh, eight and a half years ago was uh, just yesterday. Just an amazing uh, journey, an amazing vent- adventure. You know, uh, we moved uh, here from Shelby, North Carolina to serve on the staff of Athens College of Ministry where Alex uh, Field serves uh, today. And, and uh, that was a big, big, big move for us. Uh, our kids are in middle school, just coming into high school. So we've done a lot of living uh, here in the past eight and a half years. And pretty soon after that, uh, not too long after Living Hope was founded, I've you know, the Lord led me to this incredible place, and uh, my background is in worship ministry, and, and uh, Pastor David needed somebody, <laughs> and so I was honored to serve uh, part-time and then ultimately full-time as your worship pastor, and then a couple years ago, uh, actually this uh, December, two years ago, transitioned to executive pastor, and it's just been just watching the Lord work day after day, week after week, in miraculous ways, supernatural provision, and uh, just opportunities to, to see lives changed. I was also thinking this morning about the fact that, that so many faces are, are new. They continue to be new. It's like we, the Lord's called us to mobilize, to equip people, and then to send them right back out. So, uh, and that's been a beautiful thing. So if you've been here the whole time, praise God for you. <laughs> we need you. Um, but I do, uh, uh, you know, Isaiah 42, 16 said, I will bring the blind by a way that they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. So it is with anticipation mixed with deep sadness. You know, it's only recently that we've begun to feeling some anticipation and some joy about this. This is one of those really hard um, obedience things. So we have had a lot of sadness, but I do want to announce my, um, the Lord's leading for us to return to Shelby, the very city 
uh, my wife's hometown that we lived in uh, previously. Uh, this will be next month, so I'll be with you through the end of the year. Um, the Apostle Paul at one point attempted to enter Asia, um, but a man from Macedonia appeared to him in a vision at night, appealing him to go there to share the gospel instead. So it was wild because the Holy Spirit it forbade him from going into Asia, right? Don't we want to have that kind of relationship with Christ that the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that, and we immediately just turn and go this way, right? So um, this is one of the scriptures that he used to confirm this calling recently. Um, our Macedonian call came from Lee's dad. Um, they're in their 80s. My mom's in her 80s. She watches faithfully. Good morning, Mom. And uh, she's in Wilmington about uh, four hours from where we'll be. But anyway, her dad approached us and just said, I need your help. Is there any way you can move back, can come help us? His wife, her health is declining, and we've seen some uh, progressively, uh, it's progressed in the past year or so especially. So uh, that's, that's where all this started and just his, uh, his appeal to us. What I didn't see coming along the way, this is about uh, four, four to six weeks ago, um, I had been introduced to a, a church there in Shelby uh, through a conference this past spring and just fell in love with the people, just had a great time at the conference, didn't think anything of it. But within the past four to six weeks, um, uh, Dr. Stephen Francis, who's the pastor, he's actually from India but uh, was pastoring in Singapore. They still have the church in Singapore. Felt uh, had a vision of his own to come to North Carolina to plant a church. So uh, the staff is entirely Asian. They're from China. They're from India. And they've invited me to be on their pastoral team. So I'll be the only American on their staff, which is very cool. It's very diverse and uh, amazing place. You know, if you got to leave a church like Living Hope, you've got to go to someplace like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because uh, God's just alive and, and well and doing wonderful things. So First uh, uh, Thessalonians 2.8 says, We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. That's the toughest part about this. And we just want to say, you know, my wife, Lee, she'll be here in the second service. But uh, our three girls, Gracie, Isabel, and Lily, who's now in South Africa on the mission field for a little while longer, we've been so honored to be a part of this team and uh, to have been entrusted by Pastor Dave and the elders to serve um, the past seven years as worship pastor and then executive pastor. Um, just to see the incredible things God has done, um, the birthing of fresh wind and everything that's happening and these baptismal wolves, pools being stirred, you know, almost week to week because of the salvations and, and the incredible things God's doing here. We will never forget you. And uh, one of the things the Lord impressed on my heart is that to maintain the bridges, to maintain the relationships. And so I know we're connected in the spirit. It's one kingdom, uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But I think he's going to give me uh, practical ways to maintain ties with this incredible place. Um, the Lord's doing a mighty thing throughout the body of Christ, and for that reason, we'll always be united with you. So pray for us as we pray for you, and we expect great things as you continue to walk faithfully with Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you right now, brother. Just join me, everybody. Father, we thank you for Jeff and Lee and their sweet girls. Thank you for gifting this church with their heart, their ministry, their vision, their just the, they've contributed. I mean, every one of their family members have been on the stage at one time or another, and they are just a serving family. And uh, Father, we just uh, bless them. We pray that this transition will be guided by your spirit, that you'll fill our needs here, that you'll lead the elders as we consider different uh, decisions 
And uh, God, just um, pray that their uh, leaving will be uh, with joy in their heart, knowing how much you've used them and how much we love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brother. Love you too. All right. want to honor our veterans. This week was Veterans Day. And uh, if there's any veterans in the room, would you stand, please? We want to thank you for your service to our country. We enjoy freedom and uh, the ability to gather today, uh, largely in part to the contribution all you veterans have made, so thank you. All right, we're going to have our scripture reading, and then we'll dismiss our kids. Jason, it's a little strong up here to me. Maybe bring this down a little. All right, let's stand. Second Peter chapter 3, open your Bibles. I hope you brought them. Bring your Bibles, you guys. Bring your Bibles to church. Open them up. You're going to want to be in the Word today, seeing exactly where these points come from, seeing the repetition of words, circle, underline, mark up your Bibles. A marked up, worn out Bible shows a non-worn out person. <laughs> 2 Peter 3, this is, uh, so we're in this series called Stability in an Unstable World. Boy, don't we need stability today in an unstable world. Our world is so unstable, but God's word is so stable, and God's character is so stable, and God is so consistent, and if we stand on him and stand on his word, we can have stability. And so we've got two more messages in this series. Um, And so 2 Peter 3, I'm reading out of the ESV. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you. Beloved. So why did he say that? Because he wrote 1 Peter. (laughs) In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I believe you all have a sincere mind. I really do. I love you guys. I love pastoring this church. I love the people God's brought here. And I believe many of you, all of you, have a sincere mind. And so Peter's just going to stir us by way of reminder today. Probably not going to say anything you don't already know, but you need to be reminded of it. I need to be reminded of it that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. How could could these predictions be made? Because God is outside of time and he knows time and he knows everything's going to happen even before it happens. So he can predict things before it happens and have it happen just like he predicted it. Did you get all that? Because he's a God who knows everything. Isn't that awesome? Verse 3, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days. Boy, are we seeing that with scoffing following their own sinful desires. They'll say, where's the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Deliberately overlooking a fact. So they know in their heart it's a fact, but they deliberately overlook it. Why? Because they don't want to be accountable to it. And what is that fact? That the heavens existed long ago. The earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water. That's talking about the flood. And perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire. Being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact. Fact, you guys. Not theory, not not something that you're unsure of. Fact. Don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but He's patient 
toward you. Aren't you glad he's patient? Oh, aren't we glad he's patient? Not wishing, there's an emotional word, God's an emotional God, we have emotions because we're created in his image. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. God, anoint now your word, I pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, our strength and our redeemer. Bless our children, capture their hearts that they would follow you all the days of their life and never drift in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Children that wish to go to Children's Church, you're dismissed out that exit there with Miss Kathy. Have you ever played the game hide and seek? Somebody waits and counts. The others go and hide and then the person counting When they've reached the number, what do they say? Ready or not, here I come. The title of this message is Ready or Not, Here I Come because this this verse teaches us in verse 10, Jesus said, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. And I don't know if any of you have ever had anything stolen from your home or a thief has come and stolen things from your home and you were caught off guard had you been awake or had you been there, it wouldn't have happened. You were caught off guard and you were shocked at what occurred. Jesus Christ says He is coming back. He's going to come back like a thief in the night. Many, unfortunately, will be caught off guard. And I pray that as a result of this message, none of you will be caught off guard. None of you would be guilty of what 1 John talks about that says many will shrink in shame at His coming. That's a sobering verse. Many will shrink in shame when He returns. Why? Because they'll realize they have neglected the truth of God. They have lived in sin and selfishness and pride. They have neglected to receive the free gift that Jesus offers. And they will shrink in shame when He comes back. But His people who love Him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength will welcome Him with open arms. They will long for His return. They will shout hallelujah. Come Jesus, I want to live with you forever. I pray and I trust today that's the condition of your heart. If it's not the condition of your heart now, may it be at the end of this message, may it be at the end of this day. For beloved, Christ could return tonight. He could return tomorrow. He could return next week. He could wait another 2,000 years. I don't know. The timing. The timing is irrelevant. What What is important is that we be ready. Because ready or not, He's coming. Now in this room, you may have noticed that there's a little illustration How many of you already noticed this? And you're thinking, what in the world is this for? Well, you can always be certain if something like this is in this room, it's intentional. It's not an accident. There wasn't a party here last night and they forgot to, you know, take down all the decorations. No, it is to illustrate time in your life. And so I want you to pretend that at the end of this string right there, and I really pretend that the string goes in an endless direction out of this building, out of Georgia, out of the United States, all the way wherever you want to say it's going to go. So this string represents eternal time, eternity past. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. What's the beginning? We don't know. (laughs) And then you have, let's just say that's in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Genesis 1 says, He created heaven and earth. God created heavens and earth. So boom! At a moment in time, He spoke the world into existence, the stars, the galaxies, the six days of creation, then He rested. Let's just say that's about right here. And let's just say that Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection is about right here. And that little 
ball is your life. Okay? And then eternity future. So just get that in your mind for just a moment. The reason that God can predict things that way ahead of time is because He is outside of time. He's beyond time. He's an eternal God. He knows all. He knows all of this in one moment. Point number one today is this. We need to be reminded of truth. Because we all are, are prone towards spiritual dementia, <laughs> mental Alzheimer's. We forget, don't we? We forget things that we need to be reminded of. And I want you to see how many times in this passage he uses words that, that refer to knowing or remembering. Look at all these. By way of re- I'm stirring you by way of reminder. I know I've said some of these things to you before, but you need to be reminded. It's like any parent. You know what this is like, don't you? You say to your kids, how many times? Do I need to say this to you? I know that I've told you this before, to clean up your mess in the kitchen before you go to bed, but it seems like I have to just remind you. Well, we all are prone to forget. And so Peter had no problem reminding them, and Jesus did this with his disciples. He often said, how long shall I bear with you guys? Man, if you're watching The Chosen, one of my favorite scenes in The Chosen is when Jesus has been ministering all day, and he's he's just dog-tired. And he comes walking by the campsite, and the disciples are bickering over something absolutely stupid and insignificant. And Jesus kind of goes, good night. (laughs) I mean, he's he's like, I don't even have time for this right now. I've been ministering, casting demon outs, and healing people all day. And I'm just exhausted. And, And so we all are prone to wonder. We all are prone to forget. How many of you have reminders on your phone? You know, remind us of birthdays or anniversaries. My, my wife and I celebrated 36 years this week, our anniversary. Well, guess what? I don't need that on my phone. I don't need a reminder. I know November 9th, that's our anniversary. You don't need to remind me because it's important. Then he says that you should remember, knowing this, they deliberately overlook, do not overlook. So all these repetitions just re- it shows how much we need to be reminded of truth. Listen, what you listen to, what you watch, the kind of church you go to, the kind of sermons you hear, the kind of things you read, the kind of the ways you spend your time, it's important. Listen, if you're if you're watching fake news more than God's truth, you're probably gonna get discouraged. (laughs) I mean, if you're watching, I don't care, this isn't a political statement, Fox News, CNN, whatever. If you're watching more about that stuff than the truth of God's word, it'll get you down and discouraged. Now, one of the reasons that he says here that we need to be reminded is because of the scoffers. Look at verse 3. Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. How true today. People that attack Christianity, people that attack the Bible, scoffers. They say things like, oh, the Bible's full of contradictions. The Bible's full of errors. Oh, Jesus isn't the only way to God. Oh, all religions are the same. Premarital sex, that's okay as long as they love each other. Open marriage is sure, whatever, it doesn't fit me, but if it fits you, whatever. Homosexuality, yeah, it's okay. Transgender, sure, just change. If you don't feel like you're this, you're that, just change. All this scoffing. And one of them that that I have to address because it's right here in this passage is evolution. Oh, did I say, I mean evolution. (laughs) Actually, I meant to say that. I believe it's one of the most damaging theories, teachings, in our day. Oh, you're just a product of slimy algae. You just evolved from apes. Can you imagine how that must hurt the heart of our creator God who wove us in our mother's womb and has a wonderful plan for every person? 
And I find it interesting that on the topic of creation, and this was written 2,000 years ago, it says they deliberately forget. They deliberately overlook. Look at verse 5. They deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed, created by God. You did not evolve from slimy algae. You were created by a loving, powerful, almighty, eternal God. And we've, we, this has come into our school system. And so once you believe that we just are a product of slimy algae that evolved over billions of years, then guess what? You are not accountable. You can then, you can then believe that I'm not accountable to a creator God. I've had many ex-atheists, not just rich, I've had other ex-atheists tell me, yeah, I held to the belief of evolution, evolution, so that I would have a rational explanation, or what I thought was a rational explanation, that I'm not created, therefore I can do whatever I want. When they really got honest, it was so that they could do what they wanted, live an immoral life, because I'm not accountable to a creator God. And it's so interesting here that verse 5 speaks of God creating all things out of water and through water. Genesis 1, verse 2, says the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the... That's before day one of creation. <laughs> That's before He created the light. Water existed from eternity past. God didn't create water. It was already in existence because out of water and through water, He created all things. And isn't it interesting that water is the compound every living thing needs for survival? <laughs> the Jet Propulsion Lab at NASA states, quote, water is needed for all life on earth. Water is this amazing compound. We can wash with it. We can drink. It's the one thing they say. Yeah, I mean, you mix it with anything because it, 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 it's tasteless. And, and, and it's just this amazing thing that God created. and We all need it. They say the one thing you can do to, to improve your health the most is what? Drink more water. And so you have all these scoffing and lies and attacks. This is why we need to be reminded of truth, you guys. It's why you need to be in the Word every day. It's why you need to be with people who are going to reinforce truth in your life. It matters what church you go to. It matters what's preached. But I also want to just bring this home for just a minute what do you need to be reminded of today? Some of you may just need to be reminded of God's love. Some of you need to be reminded of your identity in Christ. And some of you need to be reminded that God just says, I got your kids in my hand. I know you're worried about them. Some of the choices they're making. Some of you need to be reminded of the amazing forgiveness that God offers when you repent of your sin. I had a person in my office this week that came confessing some pretty dark sins. And I said, have you confessed that to God? Have you fully turned and repented? I mean, just in tears, absolutely the answer was yes. And I had the privilege of looking this person in the eyes and saying, then God's grace forgives that. And guess what? He throws it as far as the east is from the west. Matter of fact, the Bible says he remembers your sins no more when you confess and repent of it. And I said, if you brought that sin up to God right now, you know what he'd say? What are you talking about? I chose to forget that. That's what his word says. I remember your sins no more. 
So you bring up something that you've already confessed and repented of. God says, I don't know what you're talking about. Because I chose to forget it. To throw it as far as the east is from the west. Isn't that cool that he says east from west, not north-south? Because north-south, we tend to know the, the, the distance between the ceiling and the floor. But east-west, it's an endless distance because that's what he does with your sins. What do you need to be reminded of today? What do you need? What, what's the truth of God's word? Right now, just Holy Spirit, speak to people in this room and online right now. Every person here probably needs to be reminded of something. Just remind them, Lord. Just whisper in their ear. Whisper that truth. Mm, your perspective on life. What's that lie maybe that they're believing that needs to be replaced with truth? So point number one today is we need to be reminded of a lot of things. Number two, we also need an eternal perspective. Verse 8 is, a, is an amazing verse. <laughs> and don't overlook this fact. <laughs> and it talks about God's view of time. It's, it's so different than our view of time. To God, a thousand years is like a day. And a day like a thousand years. Reminds me of the little boy who went to God and he said, God, if a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years, then is a thousand dollars like a penny? Hey, God, can I have a penny? And God says, just wait a day. <laughs> and my brother did a calculation. If we have some statistician or real, you know, nerdy folks in the room, don't do it right now, but later and tell me if my brother's math is correct. He did this a number of years ago. If 24 hours equals a thousand years, then 70 years equals 100.8 minutes. 80 years equals 115 minutes. I think the average life in an American today is about 80. You women, I think, live longer than us men. But 80 years is like 115 minutes. You can take a nap in 115 minutes and not even know that time was gone. We need God's view of time. And so my challenge to you today is to live with an eternal perspective. Because it's so easy to just live within that ball and forget how much within that ball is not going to last. I mean, it says right here in verse 7 that heaven and earth are kept and stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment. Then later it says in verse 10 that everything is going, going to be burned with fire. Next week we're going to learn it. What, what is the characteristics of the new heaven and the new earth. Oh, don't miss next week. If you're a believer, you're going to learn about your eternal home. What is this new heaven and new earth? What are some characteristics of it and how should we live now in preparation for that? But one thing that we know is that God is going to destroy this earth with fire. It's going to burn. You know, you always you hear that phrase, it's going to burn. Well, it is. That house that's so important to you, that car, that boat, all those buck mounts on your wall that you spent thousands of dollars to go on those exotic hunts, it's going to burn. Women, your jewelry, clothes, going to burn. 
He may take your gold jewelry and have people walk on it in heaven, streets of gold. I don't know. But it's going to burn. Those things that we spent so much time and energy and resources for that were so important to us are going to burn. Unless they're invested in a manner that's eternal. Because you see, as we grow to be like God, that's maturity, that's Christian maturity. As we grow to be like God, God wants us to grow to seed time the way He does. And so that home that's going to burn one day, if in that home there's prayer, that's eternal. There's a small group where people are growing in Christ, that's eternal. If like in our home four weeks ago when a young man from UGA on our couch prayed and gave his heart to Jesus Christ and was born again, that's eternal. You see, that which is temporal in and of itself can be used in an eternal manner. That boat that's going to burn, maybe on that boat somebody takes a bunch of people on a regular basis who aren't saved, shares the gospel with them, that is living with an eternal perspective. That money that I could spend on things that are just going to pass away, if I invested in kingdom ministry, supporting my local church and missions and evangelism, then I can live within the ball in a way that has an impact for eternity. And I want to tell you something. This, next to the gospel, has been the biggest game changer in my personal life, eternal perspective. When God got a hold of my heart as a sophomore at UGA in 1981, and he began to show this idea of what it means to live with an eternal perspective, it began to radically affect everything I did, what I did, what I was pursuing, how I viewed life. It had an amazing impact on me. And still does. Still does. Because I want to live within the ball in a way that has an impact for all of eternity. Because my short life, let's just say it's 80 years, 115 minutes, it's going to be gone so fast. The Bible says our lives are but a mist, a vapor, a shadow. And in this track that I wrote that's available in the back, What on Earth Are You Doing for Heaven's Sake? I give an assignment. I say, go walk through a cemetery. Look at the names and the dates on those tombstones. She was only eight years old. Are you kidding me? That guy died when he was 29. Wonder what happened. He lived to be 98. Wow, wonder what he did for God. Wonder who remembers him anymore. He's been dead now 15 years. I wonder if anybody even looks at his picture anymore or even thinks about him anymore. He's been dead now for 114 years. I bet nobody even thinks about him anymore. More important than what he did on earth. I wonder what he did this has an impact on heaven. Wonder if he ever led anybody to Christ. Wonder if he discipled anybody. Wonder what he did with his money, his finances, his resources, his time. What did he do that, that, that's having any kind of a lasting impact? Will there be anybody in heaven because of his or her life? Will there be people in heaven that will come up to him and thank him for sharing the gospel, for planting that seed, for leading that small group that helped him grow and disciple. Maybe his grandchildren, will they come up and thank me one day because my investment in his life turned his life around and because of that, generational curses were broken and a line of righteous, godly people and they all come and thank you 
because of the role you had in their life. Now, to have an eternal perspective, you have to know what is eternal. There are four things. Write this down. There are four things that are eternal. Number one, God. (laughs) From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is eternal. He's outside of time. He's beyond time. He's existed from all eternity past. He will exist for all of eternity future. How do you explain that? I don't know, but it's true. Number two, God's Word. The Bible says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord will last forever. Why is the Word eternal? Because it's truth, and truth is eternal. It's not just the words on the Bible page that it's talking about. It's truth. God's Word is truth. Psalm 119 says the sum of thy word is truth. So that which is true is eternal, so His Word is true. Number three, our spirit, the souls of people. The Bible says that either one's spirit goes to heaven or hell when they die. It's a sobering reality. When Jesus comes back, Matthew 25 says he will separate the sheep from the goats. A sheep is not just somebody who goes to church, member, of a, member on a roster, Baptized, confirmed, tried to live a good life, was a civic good person. No, a sheep is a follower of Jesus. A sheep is somebody who has truly put their faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation, and they follow Jesus. They love Jesus. They're a disciple of Jesus, not just even somebody who prays a little prayer and asks Jesus in their heart, thinking, oh, i got to take it to heaven now. I can live however I want. No, a sheep, a true sheep, a child of God is a follower of Jesus. They've received the gift of salvation. They've repented of their sins. They've surrendered their life to Christ. A goat can't even look like a sheep, pretend to be a sheep, claim to be a sheep. But the Bible says that when Jesus returns, he will, that's one of the things he will do. He will separate the sheep from the goats. And number four is godly character and works. In other words, once you are saved, this is for the believer only, Revelation 22, Jesus says, I come with reward in my hand. So another purpose for Jesus' return is to reward believers. Those things that you and I have done with our time, talents, and treasures within that ball that were for the kingdom of God and that were for things that mattered to God, you will be rewarded for that. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said one of the, another purpose for his return is to bring rewards with him. He will reward believers for their character, their godly character, and their works that they did for his glory. That's an awesome thing. And, and if you want to read more about this, get Randy Alcorn's book, The Law of Rewards. It's powerful. So he comes to judge the unbeliever and to reward the believer. Why does the believer not experience judgment? Because Christ bore our judgment at the cross. This is why it's called the good news. Christ came to bear our sin and the judgment and the wrath of Almighty God so that when you receive Him in your life, you have, you are, you are, you are, He doesn't judge your sin because Christ bore it. Christ died for it. Christ rose again. That's the gospel. And because Christ bore your judgment when you receive him, you will not face judgment for your sin when he returns. You will be rewarded for the good works you've done. And 1 Corinthians 3 says all of our works will be tested as through fire. And so those works that we've done that were not for God or that were for temporal things or selfish things, they'll be burned up. But those things we did for God, they will pass the quality test. 1 Corinthians 3, they'll be tested by fire. And that which which remains, that which was done unto the Lord, that which had to do with evangelism and discipleship in the kingdom of God, it will be rewarded. God wants us to live, beloved, 
with an eternal perspective. C.S. Lewis once says that the Christians who have the greatest impact on earth are those who think the most about life beyond the earth, beyond the here and now, eternal perspective. Oh, we should pray this prayer every day. Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us, O Lord, to number our days, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Isn't that a great prayer to pray? God, teach me to number my days. Teach me to realize how temporal I am. Teach me to realize that this could be the last day on earth. Teach me to realize that I'm not guaranteed another day, so let me today live for you. Help me, God. Give me a a heart of wisdom. I want to present to you a heart of wisdom because I've lived fully for you, recognizing that my time on earth is so short. Final point today is we need to be ready for Christ's return. We need to be ready for Christ's return. In verse 10, it says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief. Like I said earlier, this means that there will be many caught off guard, many that are unprepared. First John has a verse that's very sobering. It says, many will shrink in shame at His coming. Whoa. That's sobering, you guys. Shrink in shame at His coming. They're ashamed that they neglected the gospel. They're ashamed that they didn't receive the free gift that He offers. They're ashamed that they live for so many selfish, temporal things instead of Him. I don't know if that verse is just talking about unbelievers. It could, I think it actually it's written to believers. So even though there's some believers who will be received into heaven, they will have eternal life. 1 Corinthians 3 even talks about you being saved as through fire. You're saved, you're truly saved, but you have nothing to present to God, nothing to be rewarded for, and so there's a sense of shame. I wasted my life. I just lived for a better salary and a pay raise and status and houses and boats and all this stuff that makes no eternal difference. I gave more emotion on Saturday to a sports team that 10 years from now I don't even remember if they won the game. I gave more emotion to that than the glory and the praise of God in worship on Sunday mornings. Listen, don't tell me you're just not emotional. I've had so many people, oh, I'm just not emotional. I'm just not expressive. All these people raising their hands, getting all excited about Jesus. I'm just more shy and reserved. You sure weren't that way at Sanford Stadium last Saturday when I saw you. You certainly weren't that way in front of your TV during the national championship game a few years ago. You were going ballistic. But you're not emotional. I don't know why all these people get all excited in worship. Because they love Jesus. (laughs) Listen, you guys. What is eternal? What is going to last? How much we live for things that have no relevance whatsoever. But when God gets a hold of your heart, God stamps eternity on your eyeballs. God begins to show you what's going to last. And the nations and the lost people of the world. And God begins to get a hold of you. Listen, it is challenging and it is sobering, but it's so joyful. This is not meant to be a heavy Go home, beat yourself up with guilt about what you're not doing for God. I'm challenging you to let the joy of the Lord be your strength. And in eternal perspective, get a hold of your heart. 
and you begin to love God and love Jesus and love His kingdom and love the things that last to where you live for that, but it's not out of guilt. It's not out of some manipulation. It's not out of some performance and trying to earn your way to God. No, it is rooted deeply, fundamentally, eternally in the love of God. For the love of God constrains me, Paul said. That his love, his gospel, his reality gets in your heart. And from it, you want, you want to live in a way that matters. That has eternal impact. And you you joyfully repent of things that don't please him. Because you say, God, that, that, that doesn't please you. And I'm sorry. I slipped, I fell, we all fall, we all make mistakes. But the sign of a true follower of Jesus is when they slip, when they fall, they quickly repent. They can't live in habitual sin because they're grieving the one who died for them. And so it's interesting because most of what we know about Jesus' return comes from Jesus himself. (laughs) I'm going to read some of you some scriptures. Just let them wash over you and encourage you but also challenge you. And by the way, what I love about this passage, and almost all passages about the second coming of Jesus, doesn't talk about timing. It doesn't talk about the millennium, pre-rapture, mid-rapture, post-tribulational, whatever. You know, those things that have divided the church for years but shouldn't divide the church. Let's just focus on what we know to be true. He's coming back (laughs) at an hour we don't expect. Don't worry about when or the timing and all that. Matthew 24, 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow. Matthew 24, 30, at that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. See, that's consistent with Acts 1. Remember when Jesus ascended? He's leaving. He's going back to heaven. The disciples are standing there, and he's literally ascending back to heaven. They're seeing him vanish, and then the two angels say, what are you guys looking at? (laughs) What are you all standing here gazing into the sky? This same Jesus whom you see leaving is going to return in the same way. He's going to come back from the sky, and every eye will see him. Matthew 24, 44, he says, Jesus says, you must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. He says it's going to be like in the days of Noah. They were eating and drinking and carrying on, and then the flood came. Many were destroyed. Because they were caught off guard. Don't be caught off guard. Matthew 25 and 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, all the nations will be gathered before Him. He'll separate the sheep from the goats. John 14, 3, Jesus said, I'll come back and take you to be with me. Isn't that awesome? Listen, he loves you so much. He took your sin and bore the wrath of God for you because he loves you and he wants you to live with him forever. Wow. He says, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16 says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven. (laughs) There it is again with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Revelation 22, 12, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. 
Revelation 1, 7, look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. This truth, beloved, has comforted and challenged many believers throughout the years. It's the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus, and it's why many hymn writers made the final verse of their hymn something about it. For example, soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall, we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. So many great songs. Even modern songs, even the one we've sung today that talk about the coming of Jesus. He is coming back, beloved. He's returning for His bride. And if you're in Him, you will dwell with Him forever and ever. Hallelujah be to God. This is one of the greatest doctrines the church has ever held to. It is truth. It is firm. It's going to happen whether you believe it or not. You say, well, I don't believe that, pastor. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Your unbelief ain't going to keep it from happening. Just try to stop the Son of Man. Just try to stop Him. You can't. You won't. You can't stop Jesus coming back. So I would highly recommend you be ready. How would you live different if you knew He was coming back at 8 p.m. tonight? What would change in your life? If you knew for an absolute fact that Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Jesus Christ was going to burst through the clouds and come back. And all of a sudden, you're held accountable for what you did with the cross, whether you fully followed Jesus. You say, well, Pastor, why didn't he come back? Verse 9 tells us. Verse 9 tells us why he hasn't come back yet. He is patient toward you. Oh, His patience, His long-suffering. This is the attribute of God I talk about in one of my books. It's the most perplexing attribute of God to me personally. His long-sufferingness. He suffers long. He suffers long with the sin of the world. He suffers long with the many people who reject Him. He suffers long with all the evil and injustice and terrible things that are done to people. But one day that will end. One day that will end. And it says that he is patient, not wishing that any perish. Yeah, but so many will perish, Pastor. So many do reject him, Pastor. It even says that the road leading to life is narrow and few enter, but the road leading to destruction is broad and many enter. Why is that, Pastor? I'll tell you why. Because many refuse him. 
Listen, if God forced you to follow Him, He would be an abusive God. Some of you in this room have been abused. You know what it's like for somebody to force you to do something against your will. It is horrible. It grieves the heart of God. And I pray if that's you today, God gives you healing. God is not an abusive God. Because of His love, love demands, requires that the one loving give free will to the other to love them back should they choose. That's our God. Because because He's a loving God, He gives you free will. He gives you the freedom to choose whether or not you will embrace the gospel, put your trust in Christ alone, and follow Jesus. He's done everything necessary. There's no more He could do. Your sin has been paid for in full. Redemption, atonement has been completely paid for. It is waiting for you to receive it. He waits. He waits. He patiently gives you another day, another hour, another second. You could leave today on Lexington Road and get slammed by an 18-wheeler and you will stand before God and give an account of your life. I don't want that to happen to anybody, but it could. Tonight, you could lay down and die of a heart attack. They still don't know why Enoch Rodriguez died. I texted his sister this week. Have they gotten the autopsy results? No. 47. Boop. Gone. Gone. God is waiting. He is patient. He doesn't want you to spend eternity away from Him. He doesn't want you to go to hell. But if you choose to reject His offer of salvation, then His holiness must judge you for eternity. Because that's how serious sin is. He's always consistent with His nature. But praise God, His holiness and love were perfectly expressed at the cross of Jesus where He took your sin and mine that we could be forgiven and reconciled to Him. Have you received Him? Have you received the free gift of eternal life in Jesus? Are you ready for His return? What, what, what needs to change in your life to be ready? We've learned today that we need to be reminded of a lot of things. We need to live with an eternal perspective. and We need to be ready for the return of Jesus. Are you ready? God is showing you something today that needs to change. Don't put off. Come to this altar. Get prayer from somebody. Yield that to God. Surrender that to God. Say, God, this area of my life is displeasing to you. I confess, I repent. He will forgive you. He will restore you. That's the amazing thing about our God. Forgiveness is just one decision away in every one of our lives. So let's pray. God, we we love you and we praise you. Thank you for your word. God, your word today has has been like that double-edged sword. There's, there's some hard things, there's some convicting things, but then there's such encouraging things and hopeful things. And, and I love that about you, God. I love that about you. That even when you convict, there's always hope because repentance leads to times of refreshment. 
And so I just invite you, Lord, to have your will and way in every person's life here. God, I pray that if there be anybody that needs to receive you, anybody here, anybody watching online, you know that you're not saved. Receive him now. You can pray a prayer as simple as this. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come in and take control. I put my trust in Christ alone to forgive me. I receive the gift of salvation. It's all you got to say if it's from your heart. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Call upon Him. Give your heart to Him. There's no magical formula or prayer, but it's repenting, turning from your sin, receiving Christ, and surrendering your will to His. Those of you that are saved, what is it you need to surrender to God today so that if He did come back at 8 p.m. tonight, you're ready. You're ready. You receive Him with open arms, and He receives you with open arms. I just want to invite anybody that needs to just come to the altar begin to pray and just do business with God. I'd like to ask our prayer team to take your normal spots, please. Maybe some of you need to come for prayer. Let's just give a few minutes for worship team would go ahead and come up. Let's just give some time now for anybody that needs to respond. The altar's open. Prayer team's available. Holy Spirit, we just say come. Holy Spirit, we give you absolute freedom to do whatever you need to do in this room. We're not going to manipulate. We're not going to contrive. We're not going to put pressure on anybody. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, move. That every person here today would leave knowing that they're right with you, God. All because of the blessed death and resurrection of Jesus. We receive your mercy. We receive your grace. Love you, God. Praise you, Lord. Have your will and way in this place. There's somebody here watching online. You are holding on to something, but you're your hands are beginning to get free from it, but you're still holding on to it. You are refusing to surrender that thing to God. I don't know what it is. I wish I did. I'd call it out. Let go. Let go. If you will release that to God, surrender that to God, oh, you'll experience such amazing new freedom. You have to believe that. You have to trust that. What you're gaining from that sin is, is nothing. You know it in your heart. There's the guilt afterwards. There's the regret. God says, let it go. Get your hands off of it. Release it to me.
get prayer if you need it. These prayer people, they will love you. They will hold in confidence what you say. There'll be no judgment, no condemnation. online, you are in a relationship with somebody and it is not of God and you know it. That person is pulling you down spiritually. Needs to end. Needs to end. God can't bring that person he has for you until you end this relationship. others in the room watching online you've repented, you've confessed that no more guilt (laughs) no condemnation tell the enemy to be gone no shame it is cleansed it is forgiven if we confess our sins God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness receive that receive that Let's stand together.